Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Terry, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome you. If it is your first time here at our church, thank you so much for being a part of our church today as we worship God in an incredible way, and uh, I'm so thankful for all of our worship team. They do an amazing job each and every week. Well, we're in the middle of a message series entitled Family Dysfunction, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks, and we've been honest in this room, and if you're watching at home, we've been honest with ourselves to say, you know, every family has a little bit of dysfunction. And in about two weeks, when Thanksgiving comes, um, we're going to uh, be approached, most importantly, with um, a very, very uncomfortable situation. Um, we all know it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's that time when the turkey comes out of the oven and all the smells are there. And all of a sudden, whoever's leading says, it's time to gather at the table. And, and the roast beast is on the table and all the sides and the sweet potato casserole that my wife will hopefully make me an extra pan for myself will be there. And we gather around that table and then that uncomfortable moment happens. And you know what I'm talking about. Because if you've ever done this, you know, um, you kind of walk in and you survey the landscape. And, and you kind of look at the seats. And we all do this. We kind of come in and you watch. You watch this Thanksgiving. It happens naturally. It's, it's almost as if we were wired this way. But we walk in and, and we survey who's sitting around the table. And right off the bat, we kind of look. We, we look for the right seat to take, don't we? It's like, okay, all right, let, this looks like a good one. We could sit right here and you talk amongst yourselves and you're about there. But before you grab the seat, you look up and you look for where Aunt Bertha is going to be. Because Aunt Bertha, she sits at the table, God bless her, she talks about the corn, and I'm not talking about the corn on the table. Let's think about that for a second. It'll sink in for a second. And you're like, I don't want, I don't want to talk about stuff like that. I don't want to talk about all of the health issues, and I, I just want to eat and not be disgusted. And so, no, 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 we can't sit. So, so you kind of sit there, and you wait, and you watch Bertha, and Bertha's moving. You're like, okay, she's moving this way. Okay, she's moving that way. And then Bertha sits, and you're like, okay, I think we're safe. We could do this. And then there's Johnny, and Johnny, he's had a struggle all of his life. He's been in and out of jail about four different times, and you're sitting there, I don't want, no, 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 we can't sit next to Johnny. No, I don't want to do you know. And so, and so you end up playing chair tango. You ever done that before. And you'd look for the right chair to be able to kind of sit and, and it's difficult and it's, it's dysfunctional and, and we all do it. And now you're all going to be dysfunctional and you're all going to be, you know, discouraged because you wait when you get to there, you're all, especially if you're as a family, you're here because now you're going to look for one another and you're like, you're playing chair tangle with me, aren't you? Do you not want to sit next to me? No, it happens. And why is it? The truth is, it's just part of our dysfunction. It's a part of, of kind of our, our sinfulness as men and women. And and we just, you know, we want to be comfortable. And, and I think God has a, a better option for us. I really do. <laughs> Rather than us continuing to do the same thing each and every week, maybe God has in his word a way that we can actually rise above the dysfunction and maybe lead our families. Um, and I think some of the reasons, if you parents in the room, this is not in my notes, but you parents in the room, I think the reason why we have our worst parenting moments is because we're not prepared for them, Right? You ever done that before where you lock a child in a room? I've never done this before, but you know, it's three-year-old and they won't stay in bed and you just said, you know, you, you, just, and you shut the door and you like barricade the door. You're staying in there. And then if you ever stood back and looked at it, you're like, what are you doing? You're, you're like, this is child abuse. What are you doing? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know what to do. And, and it's true. I think we fall into dysfunction because we don't have a plan. 
And I think if we gathered around the table and we actually understood what we're about to do and what a better option would be, maybe we would lean to functionality as opposed to dysfunctionality. And that was the same way for the church. And let me kind of set this up where we're going today. We're going to jump into the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, speaks to the beginning of the church. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned as a family, just like the family of God. And so what ends up happening here is all these these people who, who have different backgrounds, Jews and Gentiles, they're kind of being united under a different banner. You know, before it was tradition, before it was I'm isolated. Now, all of a sudden, it's freedom in Christ, and we can all gather together, and we can form this ecclesia, this new church. And so we're going to launch off from there because I think we can do that as families, no matter what our background is, we can all do it together. So book of Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Here we go. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And I stop it there. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you've read this passage before and you've read that beginning statement and you know what's to come. It's speaking about the church and the beginning of the believers. But I stopped it because I think we fly past this first part and I think we need to pause. It said, all the believers were united in heart and in mind. There is an emphasis on what it means to be united. And, and let me illustrate this in a practical way. Yesterday, I was at a baseball field. I know, what a shocker. My son, he plays baseball. And so we were at, at a travel baseball tournament, and we're there. And I saw what unity is in a split second. You see, we, we kinda, we're all kind of, you know, families from different kids, and we're all kind of gathered at the fence, and we're, we're you know, social distancing. And so we kind of know each other by face, but we really don't know each other. And, and we're unified because our kids are playing on a team together. But we're really not united because we don't know each other's names, and we don't know our likes or dislikes and anything. So we're just kind of, you know, doing the nods, and we're just kind of sitting there, and we're kind of keeping to ourselves. Well, all of a sudden, in the middle of the game yesterday, one of the kids that was at bat, a pitch came in, and if you don't know baseball, and you st- a batter stands in the batter's box, and a pitch comes dangerous. It's a hard baseball, and it comes. And one of the worst nightmares of a parent is when a child gets hurt. And the batter was in the box. The pitch came, and it was up around his head. And if you know baseball, you know what sounds. Um, you can dif- differentiate between sounds. And you know when a ball hits a helmet, and that's okay because a helmet's hard and plastic. But you know when it hits a face, and the ball hit this child in the jaw, and he turned and he fell flat on his face. Immediately, all of us as parents, gasp hits. We're looking. Dad, did it again, I get choked up. Okay, pull it together. Dad, whose son is on the ground, gets up. And he runs to the dugout. And I see him, and he looks at me, and he's holding the gate, and he's like, can I go? Oh, now, here's the funny part. I'm not a part of the Parks and Recreation Department. I'm not associated with the coaching staff of the team, but I'm a dad. And so when he looked at me and said, should I go? I said, go, 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 go. And, and Jennifer's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I would do the same thing. You, you got hit in the face. You absolutely go. Forget everything else. And all of a sudden, he runs out there, and all of a sudden, I looked over, and there's other parents, and other parents are reaching into their coolers, and they're grabbing ice. Another parent has got a phone. Do I need to call the paramedics? I mean, all of a sudden, all of these unified parents, because our kids played together, they became united. Why? And we're going to get to this in a second, but pay real close attention. Unity happens when everybody understands the most important thing, and everybody is unified to the most important thing. Does that make sense? And all of a split second, I saw humanity rise up 
It was beautiful. And to see all these parents and to see people helping and coming around. And we hardly knew this dad. But in the moment, we were, had unity because we're like, brother, I wouldn't want this for my own son. And so whatever I can do to help. I mean, we had parents ready to jump in their car and drive to a store to get something to be able to help this family. And that doesn't happen unless there's unity. You know, the truth of the matter is Psalm 133, 1 through 2 speaks to what it means and what happens when there's unity. And I don't want you to miss this as we speak about our families. There's power when unity happens. And I think you saw it in that baseball illustration. But take a look at Old Testament when we're unified and when we have unity, watch what happens. Psalm 133, 1 through 2 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. The truth is when families are united, they will experience the blessing of God. And I will tell you later on that night, this dad who nobody knows, and we get text messages as a team all the time and no one pays attention. His dad texted, you know, his, his son might have a broken jaw, but thank you everybody who were willing to help out. And, we'll, and everybody on the team praying for you. Let us know if we can help. What can we do? There's power when everybody unites for the greater purpose. Do you know what unity speaks in the definition to? Unity in the definition means wholeness. Now, don't miss this. Unity actually speaks to what it means to be whole in Christ. So biblically speaking, when you are when you have unity as a family, that means you are united together for the most important cause of your life, which is that of Christ. And if you are a family that are united together for the most important cause, there's power. In fact, when families are not united, they will experience dysfunction. How many of us have dysfunction? And if you think about it, it's when all of a sudden we fall into patterns where we forget what the most important thing is, the most important aspect is, we fall into dysfunction. Now let me set up this next passage of scripture because we're going to move. And all of a sudden it says the believers were united in mind and spirit. So let me define this for you. In the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, here's what they were saying. There was power in the church. If you read all throughout Acts, in fact, some of you who maybe hardly believe in Jesus, maybe you're not a Christian and you're watching or you're here in the room and you're struggling with your faith and you're struggling believing all about Jesus, I would tell you this. The one thing we can agree on is it's absolutely incredible to see how this small gathering of fishermen and all the people during this time exploded to where 2,000 years later, you have two-thirds of the world's population that believe and united together that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's incredible. I don't, I don't care whether you believe it or not. You can say, wow, that really is impressive. Why? Why did that happen? I'm about to show you why. And it's because they were united. And what did I say about when there's unity? There is power. So God had his power in and through these people doing incredible things, inspiring people to the cause. But then all of a sudden, that unity is about to be tested. 
And now I want you to understand it. Those of you who are business owners, when you are making the decisions early on in your business, how important is every single decision in that business when you're at foundational level? It's crucial, isn't it? If you make the wrong step at the wrong time, it crumbles. Well, the church was at the same place. And I want you to see something that's going to happen where one of the believers decides to make a choice that could rob the church of its power. Take a look at this, Acts chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Now pause. Many pastors and churches, they use this to talk about money. This is not about money. This passage actually has nothing to do with money. It's a larger point. The church had power. The church was united. The people were united over the most important aspect. They were selling things as believers to give to the cause. And all of a sudden you had a guy who is human. And he sat there and he's looking at all of these others. Wow, they're, they're selling things and they're, they're, you know, given to the cause, you know. I feel like maybe, maybe we should do something, but I don't want to do something. I mean, maybe, maybe we should sell something, but I want to keep the money for myself. And they make a choice, and you're going to see it. They make a choice to sell something, and then they lie. And you're going to see that in a second. And they give some of it saying that this is all the money from what we just sold. Aren't we great? Aren't we humble? Aren't we amazing? We're incredible. We're united. When the truth was, he and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, kept some of it, which speaks to not being united in heart. Here's the truth. Sometimes I think we do this in church. Sometimes I think we do this in our family where we think we're united. Look, I sold something, Terry, and I gave it. I'm united. Yeah, but not really. You see, there's a difference between being unified and having unity. We could be unified in a whole lot of things. Don't miss the point. Ananias and Sapphira, they were unified in that they sold something and they gave some of the money to the cause. There were people who sold stuff and gave money to the cause. They were unified in that, but their hearts weren't right, were they? Their hearts weren't united. Their hearts said, I want to hold things. I want for me. And selfishness started creeping in to the church. You know, the truth is selfishness creeps into our church all the time and other churches around this country all the time. Isn't it true? And I'm not picking on our church because our church is like a lot of other churches, but we're sinful people, right? The truth is sometimes we say we're unified, but truth is we can also be unified in bad things. We could be unified in gossip. We could be unified in lies. We could be unified in deceit. We could be unified in sin. I've seen so many individuals that they gather together and they dismiss bad behavior because they're united in thought. You ever seen that? It's okay, we can talk about this, you know, because that guy's a bad person and we can talk, we're friends, so we can talk about this. It's Susie, so if we say we need to pray for Susie, so now we're free to share all the gossip about Susie because we said we were going to pray for her. We do this, we unify in all the wrong things. There's some people that live in dysfunction and they're unified by something else. You ever hear the phrase, misery loves company? Sometimes you could be unified in misery but it doesn't mean that you have unity. You see, unity speaks to the condition of your heart. And the honest to goodness truth is you can't experience unity unless you're unified with Jesus Christ. 
So I want to separate that. You could be unified with a lot, but you can't have unity unless you're united with Jesus Christ. How do I know this? Let's continue on. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wish. Isn't this true? We all have a choice to be united. And he just said to Ananias, you didn't have to do that. You didn't, you didn't even have to sell the property. You could have stayed united in heart. You didn't even have to dabble in this. You didn't even have to make this choice. You could still have been united, but you chose to look important in front of your friends. How many of us have stepped in something because we wanted to show something? And the truth is it was a lie. And so he continues on and he says this, it was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. If you know anything about your heart, your heart is the place where the Holy Spirit rests. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you say yes to Jesus and you follow Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit speaks to your life. And when you lie to your heart, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying to Jesus. Now, we don't do that at all, do we? How many of us, we say amen, 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 and we're actively sinning against the thing that we just said amen to? And we're hiding it deep into the crevices of our heart because no one else can see our heart except who? God. And so when we read that, it's like, oh, how many times have I lied to my heart? How many times have I said, yes, amen, amen, and I know that I've got sin that's down there and I'm lying to the Holy Spirit, and God forgive me because I need to be united. And so now let's watch what happens because God doesn't mess around, does he? Because the church needed power, and the only way for the church to thrive where we could sit here today was if the church was united with God at the center. So look what happens. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And Peter asked her, his wife, this is later on in verse 8, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, of course, she said. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. And instantly she fell to the floor and died. Now, some of you who are not Christians, you're like, that's why I don't follow God, because he's a mean God, and man, I'm not messing around. That's why I don't like this. No, 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 don't miss the point. It was so serious because it was the foundation of the church. And in order for the church to have power to reach across the globe, it needed to not mess around at the foundational decision level. And so all of a sudden you had these fledgling Christians coming together and Ananias and Sapphira, they were powerful, they had power, and they chose to lie to the Holy Spirit and deceive the brothers and sisters. And if that was allowed to continue, guess what the church would have been founded on? Deceit, gossip. The church would have been unified, but there would have not been unity. You see, unity was integral for the church. Where there is no unity, there is no power. And now getting practical, the same is true for you and your family. Now, I want you to lean in. I know we've been heavy, but I, I want to say this, because this is the moment, and, and I say this, I try to preach every week that I prepare a message, I try to think of what is the one thing I'm going to think about Monday. 
What's the one thing that, that I'm going to take out of all the points we're going to talk about? And then there's more to come. But Terry, what's the one thing that on Monday morning when I wake up, I'm going to think about in my relationship with God and my relationship with my family and my relationship with others? And here's the point. So you can go to sleep after I get done with this, okay? Many of us, we hear the words, it's important to have, live a life of integrity and character. We all know that, right? And sometimes we think integrity and character are the same. It means be a good person. It means, you know, make wise decisions. That's not integrity and that's not character. I'm going to give you the definition of integrity, okay? Integrity in the Latin means wholeness, but it speaks to wholeness of heart. If you're in the medical profession, you know integrity. Well, his system integrity is unstable. Integrity speaks to the wholeness and so if your heart has integrity, it is whole, it is complete, it is not suffering. And that's what integrity speaks to. In fact, Proverbs 20.7, or excuse me, 27 says this, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who will follow them. And so when you live a life united with Christ, you have integrity of heart. So this week, here's my question to you. Are you living a life of integrity? Dads, are you living a life with integrity so that when your children see the decision you make in the moment when you get frustrated at mom, do you choose the most important aspect, which is this, I'm united with Jesus Christ, I'm united with my wife, and right now I, I want to choose to yell, I want to choose to scream, I want to choose to be ugly, but if I do that, I will no longer in the moment be united with Christ. I will lose integrity of heart, therefore I will lose my integrity for the moment, and my child who watches a dad lose integrity, he's going to grow up thinking it's okay to break integrity of heart in order in the moment to give it back. And I want to be a man of integrity, which means I want to make the wise choice, which means I need to stay united with Christ, united with my spouse, so I show my children what it means to have integrity. Boy, it's hard, isn't it? Boy, it's tough. I know. I'm not standing here. Trust me. If my wife was sitting here right now in this front row, I would look at her and say, I have blown it so many times. But I think it's important for us to admit there are days, Jesus, that I don't have integrity. That hurts, doesn't it? Because we like to think as Christians, we have integrity. No, you don't. We don't. So, all right, Terry, you've been hard on us. Now we're feeling terrible. Now we just want to go out in the gray sky and just have a miserable day. No, we're not going to do that. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about when we choose to have a heart of integrity, when we choose to be united with Christ, Terry, what does God bless us with? If I choose to fight, and if I choose tomorrow to do my best to have integrity, what is God going to do? I, not that it's transactional, but here's the great thing about God. He loves to bless his children. That if you take a step of faith and you work hard, he loves to pour out his blessing on those that are united with him. That's God. So let's pay attention. So when we're united as a family, what happens? When our family has integrity, what happens? If you're taking notes, here are five benefits of integrity. Number one, if you have integrity, then you have character. Definition of character, moral qualities of an individual that determines the course and direction of one's life. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
If you are united with Christ, your heart has integrity, then your decisions are not your decisions, they're God's decisions because you are counseled by the Holy Spirit. And if you make those kind of decisions, let me ask you a question. If you make the decisions God wants you to make in life, will you have a better life? That's not a trick question. If you make the decisions that God wants you to make in your life, will you have a better life? I'm just saying there are some non-Christians here going, well, well, I'm not going to be a Christian. None of these people believe in this stuff. No, you will have a better life. And if you do that, that means that's character because you show character. Because if you live a life of unity, then the kind of life you're leading will have success and that success speaks to the character that you have. Does that make sense? They're two different things, integrity and character. You ever heard the phrase, well, that's just a kind of a, he's a salty character. You ever heard that? That's a course of life based on decisions that might not be unified in unity with Christ. So you will have character. Here's the second thing you'll get. You'll have a clear conscience. You'll have a clear conscience. Do you ever realize that when you are deceitful or when you maybe make decisions that are not right, you got to work harder? You ever figure that one out? If you lie to this person or if, if you pretend or you fudge and then all of a sudden you're in a conversation over here, you got to keep that going and so you got to work hard and then you got to remember, what did I say to this person? What did I say to this person? How did I act over here? i got to make sure I'm not seen over here because I just told this person that I was over here and if they see me over here, then they're going to tell this person, and oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. And so if you want to have a clear conscience, which is a clear mind, then you have integrity and you just are honest and you speak the truth. And sometimes you have to agree to disagree and sometimes people aren't going to like your decisions, but you know what? It's so much easier when you just have a heart of integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says this, people with integrity walk safely. Now I want you to picture this. I just gave you that illustration how many of you have ever been to New York City? Ever been to New York? How many of you had to have a friend put their arm out and hold you from walking across the street and almost getting hit by a taxi cab? Because you're following the herds, right? You're following the crowds. You're looking at your phone. You're trying to find things. And all of a sudden, you're just here. And you're not paying attention to your surroundings. And all of a sudden, there's danger. That's the picture of your mind. When you are unified with lies, deceit, gossip, your own decisions, then you have to keep track in your minds all the time with all the different things that you're doing. And you cannot walk safely. Why? Because you can't live in the moment. Many of us, you worry anxiety, fear, and that's real. But many of us, we've counseled and we've said, when you trust in Jesus for that minute, you choose in that minute to give him your fear, to give him your anxiety for that minute. And you just work hard in that minute because he knows your yesterday, your today, and tomorrow, and there's safety in Christ. And you make it minute by minute. And that's hard. But when you do that, there's safety in that. There's another aspect, and there's intimacy. Uh, Pastor Terry, where are you going with this? Do you know that God wants to be intimate in a, a very foundational way with every single one of us? And I'm going to explain. Take a look, Psalm 51.6. But you desire honesty. This is meaning God desires honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even from there. God knows our innermost parts. He's intimate with us. 
He knows everything about us, more than our spouse, more than our parents. He knows everything. And so when we open our hearts and say, I'm united with Christ, we are intimate with Christ. And that's a beautiful place to be because there's freedom in that. There's a fourth aspect, and it's elevation. It improves the condition of your family members. I just, I know I talk to parents a lot. It's because I have a middle schooler at home, and right now he's 13 years old, and this is one of the most foundational points of his life because he's watching dad and he's watching mom. And my question to you is, are you living a life as a parent or a grandparent that elevates the condition of your family? And that's hard, isn't it? And we excuse a lot of bad behavior, don't we? Well, Terry, you try sitting next to Aunt Bertha at the table. I can't eat corn anymore. I'm just saying. I get it. Maybe this is the year that you sit next to her. I'm not saying you have to sit next to every Thanksgiving. Trust me. Everyone gets tired of corn. I'm just saying. But sometimes maybe you choose to love in the moment and say, you know, God, you're calling me to go to Thanksgiving for Aunt Bertha. God, you're calling me to go to my child today and to accept and love them. I was thinking the other day, I was sitting in that rainstorm and here in Myrtle Beach, it poured one day, just unbelievable weather. And I was sitting in a car in a parking lot of a middle school waiting for my son because of COVID. I can't go in and watch him. So I'm sitting in the parking lot. I don't know when he's going to get dismissed. So I ended up sitting in a car for an hour and a half, just waiting for my son to get done with basketball practice. And you know, here's the truth. I didn't care. And I sat there and I thought to myself, you know what? If it wasn't for my son, why in the world? It would be misery to sit in a parking lot of a middle school in a rainstorm just in my car. Yes, you're right. But you know what? When it's for your son and when you're wanting to show your son that you support him, that you care for him, that you love him, you're willing to do it. And that speaks to unity in a family. And so when we make those kind of decisions, oh, it's great unity and it's great elevation. Proverbs 27 says, the godly walk with integrity and blessed are their children who follow them. There's one last aspect I want to give it to you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you should care about this. And this is one of the faults of the church, I think, because sometimes we forget that our main purpose is to lead people to help them to follow Jesus. That's our call. That's, that's what his will is in our life. And so the fifth benefit is evangelism. It inspires your family to follow Jesus. So tomorrow, are you going to choose to live a life of integrity? In two weeks, are you going to go to Thanksgiving dinner for someone in your family? I'm not saying you have to be Mother Teresa, but I am saying that we should be better than we are today. I am saying we should make choices that are going to inspire our family. And if we do, mm, there's nothing greater. I pray that it doesn't take a tragedy on a baseball field to unite families. But instead, it takes a believer and follower of Jesus to say, this is what God calls me to. And it can inspire a generation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for um, our time God, right now, I just, um, I take a moment, Lord, and for those that are at home or on the balcony on the floor, I just want to pause. And God, I'm reminded that 
all of us struggle with a lack of integrity. All of us struggle every day with making decisions in God. Some of them, we, we just are pure of heart. And some of them, we become selfish. We become deceitful. So God, right now, I lift up every husband and wife. I lift up every grandparent in this room. I lift up every teenager, every single adult, every single parent, God. And God, I, I ask in the power of Jesus' name for your power in their life, that if right now in this moment, God, and, and only you know these moments because they're spiritual, that as they open their heart to you and as they say, God, forgive me, I want to be united with you, that God, right now in this moment, that they would sense you. And because they sense you, they will trust that there is power when they're united with you and that you can change the course of their family. You can change the course of their life if they just trust in you and they give up the selfishness that we all want to hold on to. So God, what is the one area of my life that you're calling integrity to? God, help me in this moment, help me tomorrow and this week to live a life of integrity and unity with you. We tell you we love you. And it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.